Amen. Good morning. Amen. Amen. You know, they were singing that line over and over in the line of Judah, and it says, you know, make the valley low, uh, make the mountain low, make the valley high. You know, that is a specific prophecy, right? That's the prophecy of the Kidron Valley looking over from the Mount of Olives over to the Temple Mount. And Jesus, when he returns, he descends on the Mount of Olives, and then that Kidron Valley is brought up so that it's even, so that he walks across on a straight path right into the Temple Mount as he returns. Amen? And you know, the Muslims thought they could stop him by putting a graveyard on the other side of the Kidron Valley. Uh, and they put all of the, they buried all of their graves there so that they think, well, a holy man can't walk across the graves. But he, they didn't take into account that he's going to raise all of, the, all of the dead before he walks across and establishes his kingdom. Amen? I'm, I'm sorry. We were... We were there just a few months ago, and I just stood on the Mount of Olives and looked across at it, and I could just visualize it in my head. And so while we were singing that song, I was like, let's go, right? Let's go. Let's make this mountain low. Let's make that valley high, and let's get it done. Amen? Amen? But you know what? Before Jesus comes back, we've got some work to do. Amen? In fact, in this life now, we have to take hold of eternity. And somebody's going to bring me a rope here in just a second. I just have faith. I just believe. Is there somebody back there going to bring me a rope this morning? Oh, I heard something stir, right? Because, you see, we've been talking about the fact that we are eternal beings, right? And uh, we've been talking about the fact that, uh, that this life is very brief and we're going to live forever. And if I had a rope, praise the Lord. Yes, thank you, Miss Elena. <laughs> How y'all doing? Amen. Bless him, Lord. Um, <laughs> this rope, right, symbolizes our eternal life. This rope, uh, we've, we've said, it's got a little knot in it. There's a bump in your eternal life at some point, apparently. Um, and I'm going to be bothered by it unless I get the rope out. So now we're ready to go. We talked about this rope pretending that it extends out the back of the sanctuary and down the road and, and actually out into space and past Neptune, which is 2.7 billion miles away. If you make it out of these three weeks and when they ask you on Jeopardy how far away is Neptune and you don't know it's 2.7 billion miles away, then you've just not been paying attention. Because Neptune is 2.7 billion miles away and we're pretending that this rope extends past Neptune out past the galaxy and beyond anything that we can really comprehend. In fact, it's really hard to comprehend even 2.7 billion miles. And so if this rope symbolizes our eternal existence, then we know that the 60, 70, 80, 90, or 100 years that we're here on earth is symbolized by just this little red part of the rope. And that the great temptation of our lives is to live our lives like this is all that matters. And what did Jesus say over and over? What does the New Testament say over and over? Don't do that. Recognize the eternal part, the white part of the rope. Don't just live. Don't just focus on that little red part of the rope. Look, this little red part, it serves a purpose. Do you know that you're here in this little red part? Because God designed this life and this world to put you in a place where you would have the freedom to choose him or not. You know, there are angels that are created in his presence. Psalms tells us that they're created just right there in his presence. And when they see the glory and the power of God, right, they, they aren't created like one of the archangels. They're just regular angels, and I don't want to get into all that, okay, because I don't fully understand it. So that's just the depth of what I've got right there. And, and they just see his uh, amazingness, and they just worship him. 
you know, if God created us in that state, like we, just, we, we would just worship him, right? But instead he creates us in a place in this world. And we say, why is this world, why is this life the way that it is? The primary reason it is the way that it is is so that you have the freedom to choose him. That he draws you, and yet you still have the freedom and the opportunity to choose him or not. And you're here in this red part. And, and the choice is now. The choice is, are we going to choose him? Are we going to choose him for our salvation? Are we going to choose him day by day in our lives? Are we going to live our lives only for this little part? Are we going to choose to live our lives for all of this? Are we going to take hold of our eternal life? We talked in week one about one of the ways, primary ways that we take hold of our eternal life is to remember that everybody around you is eternal. Everybody you meet, everybody you work with, everybody you encounter is an eternal being. Don't interact with people like all they have is just this little red part, right? Interact with everyone in your life recognizing that coming out from them is this rope of eternity, that they are an eternal being. And when you recognize their value and you recognize all that they are, it should change how we interact with them. It should change how we think about them. We talked last week. You were so excited last week because we talked about money. Barely, I could barely make it off the platform. Everybody was like, oh, that was such a great message. No, you guys went, walked right out the door. But that's okay. But here's the deal. What the scripture tells us is that money is, is the greatest temptation for us to ground ourselves in the little red part. Because money provides power and security. And so when we have that power and security, we feel so safe in the little red part. We're like, oh, nothing can get me in the little red part. The car can break down. I just traded in. When it needs an oil change. Car needs time. I just traded in. Right? Nothing can touch me in the little red part because I've got money. Right? And God says, be careful. Don't put your faith and your confidence in your finances because it can grow wings and fly away. Right? Instead, you know, yes, God has given us, uh, 1 Timothy told us 6, it says God gives you stuff to enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. But at the same time, don't allow that to be your core and your anchor of what determines how you live. Live generously. Live with open hands. Live in trusting in God. And this morning, as we come to the conclusion of this series, we're going to dive in with the, uh, the Apostle Paul and, and Apostle John, and we're going to talk about the parts of us. They, they kind of break us apart a little bit, and they say these are the parts of you that are seeking to live in the little red part, and these are the parts of you that are seeking the eternal. And it's like how do we distinguish these things, and how do we interact with them, and how does it work? And so we're going to look in Romans chapter 8 and then flip over to 1 John chapter 2. Um, so we're going to begin here. And, and again, this is, I, I, I was laying in bed last night just still chewing on this message over and over. And there's so many scriptures I wanted to read to you. And, and even last night I cut one of them because when I start reading a lot of scriptures, I know, you know, all the words kind of start to, to go together. And so I want to read to you, but in the message notes on the app, if you go under messages and you go under message notes, there's actually a list of additional scriptures. So if you've been looking for something to study in the Bible and you, and you really just want to follow up on this, there's a list of scriptures there that you can read about this dynamic that we're going to talk about, the flesh and the spirit this morning. And I think it's super helpful, but I'm just going to read these two passages of scripture to you. And then we're going to jump in here and, uh, and talk about this. So in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 5, it says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. 
It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. I know I'm reading to you. I'm just reading all of these these verses, and and you're in it. But can we just stop for a second and listen to this one more time? For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Amen. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen and amen. First John. Chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father's love is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let's pray. God, we worship you in this place. God, we, we lift our eyes and, and in expectation that you are going to come again soon. But, Father, until that time, we desire to work for you. We desire to share the gospel with others. We desire, God, to edify others, to build them and to lift them up. We desire to accomplish our purpose, God, that will lead us, Lord, through this life and into eternity. So we pray for your wisdom. Will you guide us? Will you strengthen us? Will you have your hand upon us? God, I praise you, I worship you, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Like I mentioned to you, the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John are talking about the different parts of us, right? Our our flesh is one part of us, our soul is another part of us, and our spirit is another part of us. Now, we did uh, a series called Dirt uh, of several months ago, and we really broke down this distinction. So you know that when I talk about this, uh, I need a a couple of uh, helpers. So I've got some guys coming, and they're going to help me. And uh, not Eric, not yet, not you. Sorry, you're coming in a minute. Come up this way, Derek. Come to me. Come to me. Come on. Man, these guys, are, these guys are cool. They're walking slow. That's all right. That's all right. I need you guys. Come on now. Come on. You, you see, look how antsy they are. We got to hustle up, guys. Um, right? So uh, just remember I'm ticklish. Um, this is me, okay? Uh, this, is, this is my flesh. Derek's going to be my flesh. Sorry, brother. You just happen to choose the left. And, uh, and, and Brad is going to be my spirit. And we talked about this in dirt. And I think this is such an important concept. It really helps us to understand the scriptures so clearly. And that is, when I'm born, my spirit is dead. The scriptures say that, that because of Adam and Eve, because of original sin, my spirit has died. So what does it look like if you're dead there, brother? Just yes. Okay. So my spirit is dead. And I live my life. I'm born and my flesh is alive. 
And so me and my flesh, I, this is me, my soul, this is the eternal part of me, right? And I'm living in this body, my flesh, and we make it all of those years before we get saved, right? And we're doing whatever we want. Like if the flesh wants pizza at midnight, we get pizza at midnight. If the flesh wants to do sinful things with people, uh, we do sinful things with people, right? Because it feels good, and, it's, and, it's, you know, and it makes the flesh feel good. And, and there's a part of my soul that's really not sure about it, and sometimes I have conscious attacks. But you know what? The flesh is in me are the only ones that are really there, so you know, the flesh usually just talks me into it, right? It's like, oh, no, come on, we'll do it. It'll be all right, you know? And my soul's like, I'm not sure, and whatever, and we wrestle through. Until, until we meet Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, the scripture says that my spirit, <laughs> yes, my spirit comes back to life. And we talked about this dynamic in, in dirt that, you know, my flesh and I have been living together all these years and we got a good thing going and my flesh is pretty strong and my flesh has some habits and my flesh says, what? You don't want to go out drinking? What? You don't want to sleep with her? What? You don't want to do that anymore? No, wait a minute. You know, hey, we've been doing this, right? This is good. This feels good, right? And then my connection to, to God, which is my spirit, comes. And, and when I'm first saved, this connection to God, it's brand new. The scripture tells me it's immature. It's a babe, right? And so, so my flesh and I, we've got this good thing going, but my spirit comes and is now alive. And my spirit begins to connect me to God and say, no, this is not the way. You shouldn't do this. And there's something in my soul. In fact, God says that he's put eternity in our hearts. There's something in my soul that knows that it's right, but it's hard. Isn't it? Because, I mean, we've got this thing that's been going on, and now I've got to choose to feed my spirit and grow in my connection to God. And the thing about God is that he always speaks in a still, small voice, and he will never come in. Even when I've given my heart to him, he still won't come in and override. He won't come and punch Derek in the face and say, stop talking. No, he says, no, your calling is to follow me. And as I lead you, I will strengthen your spirit in you, and I will cause your flesh to grow weaker. If you will follow after me. Stay right here, guys. You see, but there's another dynamic. Those dynamics are happening, but there's another dynamic that happens. And now I need you. Now I need Michelle and Ben and Eric, if you'll come. And, and we have a picture of Dr. Beard uh, that we're going to put up here on the screens at, at this point. And uh, so you can see him uh, up there. And so, you know, this is, this is good. And we're working all of this stuff out, right? I've got, I've got my, my spirit here. It's getting stronger every day as I'm leaning into the Lord. My flesh here, uh, which I'm stuck to. I mean, Paul says, you know, I'm tied to this body of death, right? And it's like, how long? I mean, how many times have you just prayed and said, God, will you just, I just don't want to do that anymore. God, help me not to get angry anymore. God, help me not to say this anymore. And then you echo what Paul said. He said, how long am I going to be tied to this body of death that just keeps me from doing, keeps me doing these things I don't want to do? I really am sorry, brother. You're a godly man and I love you, but uh, just, this is just how it went down. Um, so, but we go here, okay, my flesh and my spirit and I, and we interact with the people in my life. This is my uh, wife, Michelle. You guys with the chairs didn't leave me enough room for all of me. Um, no, I'm, I was just making a joke. You're good. Um, she's always fixing me and whatever. But, you know, we come and I interact with my wife. I, I, I love my wife. I, 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 I rejoice in her. And I come, and as I interact with her, my flesh is there, and my spirit is there. And I'm there, right? My soul is here. And as I talk to her, I want her to see things my way. Uh, you know, my flesh is really uh, wants her to meet my needs, wants her to do, to do what I want her to do, wants her to do all those things. And my spirit is here, constantly reminding me that she's an eternal being. And that first and foremost, before she's my wife, she's a child of God. 
And my spirit is saying, now my flesh comes and my flesh says, you know, hey, I want this to eat and I want this done and I want this to happen, right? And my spirit is there saying, uh, easy, remember, she's a child of God. Remember, she's precious to you and to the Lord. And then I have to choose. What am I going to listen to? Am I going to listen to the flesh as it, as it comes to treating my wife? Am I going to treat her as a child of God with respect and an and eternal being and all of those things first and foremost? Or first and foremost, am I going to say, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? And why aren't you being the way I want you to be? And I have good days and I have bad days. And hopefully she would say that I'm having more good days than bad days. We're not going to ask her right now. Because we're in front of everybody, right? And I, but I interact with her. And I come and, and I come over, and, and of course, wherever I go, my flesh and my spirit is there, and I've got my kid, right? And my kid sometimes does what I want him to do, and sometimes doesn't do what I want him to do. And I've got all of these emotions that are wrapped up in him because, you know, I mean, he's mine, and, and I'm, I've got this pride sometimes, and pride can be a good thing, and it can be a negative thing. And sometimes my flesh is like, he's not representing you well, and he's not doing right, and he's not doing what you want him to do, and you should yell at him. And my spirit is saying, first and foremost, remember, he's your physical child, but he's my child, the Lord says. And that you need to be not as concerned about the red part in his life as you are about the white spiritual part, the eternal part, and are you working on the eternal part? It's not just about is your room clean and you have you been obedient. It's also how I approach those topics, making sure I'm addressing them in an eternal and spiritual way as I interact with him. So when I come and I interact with him and I interact with Michelle, like it's not, it's, all of these dynamics are at play. My flesh, my spirit, my soul are all here and present. Now, we move over here, and Eric is a member of our church and pastor's council. And th- this dynamic is not exactly like this, but in a certain sense, Eric is one of my bosses, okay? And it's an interesting job that I have because I've got a couple thousand bosses. Um, but Eric serves on the church and pastor's council, so if I was ever going to get fired, he would be one of them there that was firing me and doing all the things, okay? Just, it got real serious. Do you see that? It got real serious in here, all right? Um, so, and and you, probably, you have a boss too, right? We all have a boss on some level, and when you interact with your boss, you come in, and what do you tend to, you tend to think that it's just you and your flesh interacting with your boss, don't you? Like you go in and it's like, man, I I wish you would praise me. I wish you would give me a raise. I wish you would treat me better. I wish you would fire that other person. I wish you would do all of those things. And it's just me in the flesh and my boss having a heyday. But what? All of me comes. When I interact with anybody, all of me is there. And my spirit is there too. And do I approach with my boss the fact that he's eternal? That, That this relationship, that in fact all the things that he does to me really just affect the little red part of, of me. And, is, and what's most important to me when I go to work and when I'm interacting with the people at work and when I'm interacting with my boss, the most important things are the eternal things. And yet we go to work and we do those things and so often what comes out is just the flesh. But remember, your spirit is there too. And it's engaged in that moment. You know, I used to have a, a picture up here. There he is, right? This is Dr. Beard and he's my professor and I, I'm, I'm joyously still in school too, Right? And you know what? I had a meeting with Dr. Beard the other day, and I haven't, I, I've gotten behind on what I was supposed to do. And I just literally am texting Michelle, I'm dreading this meeting. I'm just hoping he doesn't ask the wrong questions, right, or the right questions, I don't know. 
And what? I mean, you go to school and you interact with your teachers and you interact with your classmates and you interact with all those people around you. And, and it's so easy to wander into the flesh again, right? And just think, oh, I'm here and I just got to get through school and I just got to get this. And oh, that teacher, I wish he would do those things. I wish she would do these things, right? All the flesh. And to forget that no, every interaction that I have is, it, it brings all three of us into the equation. Is my flesh, my spirit, my soul present in my interactions with my teachers, with the people at school? You know, there's one more person that I interact with, and, but they're not, they're not visible up here. And they're the most important one, and that's the Lord. And the Lord is here, but I can't see the Lord. And it's interesting because you guys just stay there. You guys just pretend that they're with me. You see, I, I go here, and I've got my body, soul, and spirit, and I see Michelle, and my body, soul, and spirit is there, and I'm forced to interact, right? I'm forced to make a decision here. Am I going to lean into my flesh? Am I going to lean into the spirit? I see my son, and I'm forced to interact. And am I going to lean into the flesh, or am I going to lean into the spirit? I see my boss, and I'm like, am I going to lean into the flesh? Am I going to lean into the spirit? I see my professor, and I'm forced to do that. But when is it that I encounter God? It's only when you choose. It's only when you choose to come into his presence. You are never forced to do it unless you choose to do it. Everywhere else, I go around and I'm forced to engage these things and say, is my spirit going to mature? Is my flesh going to grow weaker? But until I choose to come before the Lord, before I choose to engage that, it doesn't happen. You know what? I, I could go weeks, months, years, all the while waving the Christian banner. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And yet you've never come before the Lord and encounter him and, and allow him to help you, allow him to inform. Is your flesh growing weaker? Is your spirit growing stronger? And, it, and I just want to tell you, it gets even worse than that. Come on over here with me, guys, because you see, when I, my flesh, and my spirit, and my soul first met Michelle, and I just was a, a little bit of love at first sight, okay? For her, it was like love at 102nd sight, but for me, it was love at first sight. And you know what I did? I pursued her. Man, I knew everything about her. I knew her class schedule. I knew what she liked to eat. I knew her friends. I knew everything about her. But now we've been married for 27 years. And you know what? That first, that first uh, blush is done. And it's so easy to fall into the grind, isn't it? Of like, you know, well, why isn't this done? And what do we have to do? And what's on the calendar this week? And what are you doing? And, and are you pulling your weight? Oh, did you see that look? You see that look? Yeah. It's awesome. It's outstanding. I am so glad you saw that. Can we just have a moment? Yes. Yes, she is. She went, do you need the microphone? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. But what? But my flesh, right? My flesh says, I don't know. And it's so easy. Like that first, that first dynamic is so incredible. And then it's so easy to just fall into a pattern. But you don't realize your flesh and spirit still here. What about when Ben was born, right? When Ben was born, when your kids were born, at first, those first few years, you're just like, oh, developmental, and, and oh, everything's got to be just right, and oh, do you have the sniffles, and you can't hold my kid, and all that stuff, right? And then it gets to a certain point where you're just in survival mode, right? And it's just like, I got to get you to point A, and I got to get you to point B, and, I gotta, and you got to get some A's and B's, and all of that kind of stuff, right? 
And it switches out, and it's no longer about, stop with the faces. She's serious and messing me up, and you're not serious, and you're messing me up. But when we first, when they first come along, I, I'm so tied up in it, right? I'm so, oh, the, oh, it's so important. And then the years go by, and it becomes a little bit of a grind, and now it's just like I got to get him, you know, out of the house. She wants him to stay. He's single, ladies. He's going to be a great husband. I've taught him. What happens? What ha- we're going to need you guys to get it together over there. What happens when you get a new job? When you get a new job, what happens? It's like, whoa, I got this job. I love it. Pays more than my last job. Schedule's a little bit better. I don't know. Maybe there's a sacrifice here. But, man, this job is awesome, and I love you, and this interview is amazing, and this is going to be great. What happens, like, on day five? Oh, man, I'm a little bit late. I'm going to leave a little bit early. I'm just going to kind of scrape by, right? It's like I start so strong. What happens when you start school? Like you're ready. Like this new semester starts and you're like, oh, you know, we're excited, we're going. Then a couple weeks in, you're like, when is this going to be over? What happens with the Lord? What happens with the Lord? It's like I get, I get saved and, and I feel that burden lift off of me and I feel all those things. And it's amazing when I get started, right? But then after a little while, it's like, oh, I just fall into a pattern while I go to church, check the box, do the things, check the box, pray my little formulaic prayer, check the box, right? And it, and it just becomes something that's just not real and alive. And, and how much more even with God is that dynamic because I can't see him? And because the scriptures have all of this language about initially that when I get saved, oh, I'm washed clean and all of this stuff happens. And, and I miss all of the places where it talks about pursuing God. And so my flesh and my spirit are here. And I need to realize that I'm engaging whenever I interact with my wife and whenever I interact with my son and whenever I interact with my boss and whenever I interact with those people at school, that all of these things are engaging And I need to pay attention to that. And yet, there's another dynamic even beyond that. Can we give these volunteers a hand this morning? Thank you, guys. Part of of our purpose for living is found in these dynamics. Part of our purpose for living, it's called sanctification. And what happens is when I interact with these people in my life, with my flesh and my spirit, and I decide that I'm going to lean into my spirit more than I'm going to lean into my flesh. That's a process that the Bible calls uh, sanctification, right? And I said the Bible says, and that word's not in the Bible. It's a, it's a word that theology calls sanctification, okay? And that means becoming holy, becoming other, becoming like God as I lean into my spirit. But you know what can happen? All of those things, I can be doing all of those things and leaning into all of these things, into the Spirit and growing in the Spirit, and yet there's still something more for me to do. You see, it's not just in these interactions, but it's it's in an eternal aspect of my being. That this, all of these relationships that we just talked about, it serves the red part, but it helps us to grow and to mature for all of eternity. You, you tracking? 
but you know there's a part of you that doesn't even address the red part. There's a part of you that only addresses the white part. There is an eternal part of you that only addresses the eternal. And it's a step beyond even this sanctification process. And it's the part of us that begins in worship. It's the part of us that says, God, I, I don't, I, I'm beginning to lose sight of this part. God, this part is not even for me the most important part of my existence. As I mature in God, as I grow to a point of realizing, God, this eternal part is so much more significant than the red part is. And I begin to mature to a place where I'm just saying, God, all this stuff's going to take care of itself. God, all this, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. But in the end, this is all going to take care of itself. And God, lead me into the eternal part of my existence. And that begins with worship. Do you realize how good God is? Do you realize how beautiful he is? Do you realize the, the, the fact that our, the God of the universe could be evil, could rejoice in our pain, but instead he rejoices in our presence, he rejoices in goodness? Do you see that? Do you see how that's bigger than even just this little red part? And it takes us into a place of saying, God, you are so amazing. God, whatever happens to me in this part, I worship you, I praise you, I magnify you. The, the, the prophets would say, even if I suffer all day long, you are worthy of praise. Because this suffering is just for a season. It's not going to be much there. Do you know that God has equipped you not only to worship him, but also God has given you a role in the kingdom of God. That you can impact this eternal kingdom here and now on earth. And, and you know what, I, I, I thought about this, I was working on this, and it came down, and I was just like, is this just some elaborate volunteer push? And then I thought, no, you know what, it's not just about serving in the church. Serving in the church is part of it. But the truth is that we are called to serve God every day. We are called to serve God every day to recognize our eternal nature and purpose every day. You're an eternal being. Serving an eternal God with an opportunity to serve an eternal kingdom every single day. But what happens? God's invisible. God's not there. God's not reminding me. I'm too busy yelling at my wife and yelling at my kids and complaining about my boss and put procrastinating on my schoolwork. Instead of thinking and remembering, God, I am, a, I am an eternal being with an opportunity to contribute to an eternal kingdom every single day of my life. Is part of that working in the church? Absolutely. This is his organization making an eternal impact. But you, it can't be every day that you're at church, right? I mean, you can. You can come every day if you want to. Fridays, there's usually nobody here. But what does it look like to engage the kingdom of God every day? And you say, Pastor, I'm not sure that's realistic. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm busy, I got stuff, man, that red part's got me hopping. Just what's the gap? What's the gap between the fact that you could engage the kingdom of God every day and where you're at right now? Just let's just talk, just for a second. What's the gap? I mean, is the, is the gap that you are not engaging the kingdom of God, are you at zero days? Like zero days. Like I come to church for my, my hour and, and on Sunday morning, and that's my, pretty much how I'm engaging the eternal. And I'm at zero days. How do, how do we get to zero from zero to just a few? Guys, 
the scripture is just, it's just screaming at us. Don't live this whole existence, this whole life just for the little red part. But lean in. You have a calling. You have gifts of the Spirit. God is putting, the scriptures say, good works in your path that you can do each and every day. Look, this is, this is advanced Christianity, okay? Because, I mean, there are, there are like 101 is like salvation and, and, the, and the thoughts of salvation and how am I saved. And part two is sanctification. It's the stuff that we talked about here. And part three, it leads us into saying, how can I impact eternity every day? What does that look like? Who can I serve? What can I do? Maybe it's just serving my wife. Maybe it's, it's, it's actually speaking up at some point. Doesn't somebody at some point got to tell somebody about Jesus? Is it just up to Pastor Sam? Aren't we all called to be a kingdom of priests? I'm not saying run around like a crazy person. I'm saying somebody somewhere is put in your path to tell them about Jesus. And it's going to come about in a way that won't be awkward as long as you're ready. Do I wake up and there's something burning in me to say I'm an eternal being serving an eternal God and there's an eternal kingdom? Will I serve him today? Will I serve him today? Will I serve him today? Holy Spirit, light a fire in my heart. Serve him today. God, I know I'm here. God, I know I'm here for a purpose that extends beyond this life, serving an eternal kingdom that belongs to you. Show me how to serve you. Show me how to serve you. Jesus says something to us in Luke 14 that that ought to give us pause. He says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What, Jesus, what are you saying? Jesus, you're talking about the things that I care about most in the little red part. Like my, my wife, my children, these are the things that I care about most in the little red part. And what is Jesus saying? If you don't look past even the things that you care about most, you can't fully engage with the place that I'm taking you. You know, there's, there's one day she's not gonna be my wife anymore. There's one day she's not gonna be my kids. They're not gonna be my kids anymore. We're all gonna be children of God and that is gonna last for eternity. And God says, are you willing to even push past the things that you care about the most to see my kingdom done? You know, we read 1 John, I wanna read it to you again, chapter two. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. This, this scripture was just such a stumbling block for me for so many years. I didn't understand it because there's things I like in the world. I didn't understand it. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father or the Father's love is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does of the will of the Father lives forever. What he's saying is that those can't be my chief concerns. The things of the world can't be my chief concerns. And I know the word lust, immediately we start thinking about sexual things or whatever, but that's not what that word means at all. It means the things that I want. 
And there are things that I just want. I want them. I want them in my, in my bones. I want them. And when I see them, I want them. And the pride of life is just thinking, I know what's going to make me happy. And the truth is, you don't even know what's going to make you happy. And God says, instead, no, why don't you not trust in those things? Why don't you trust in me above all of those things? More than you love your kids, do you love God and want to see his kingdom established? Are your kids part of that kingdom? Absolutely. Are you called to serve them? Absolutely. But more than I love anything else, I put my faith in the white part of the rope, not the red part. God, will you lead us to this place? I want to ask you, behalf of the Lord this morning. What do you really want? God, we come to you. And Lord, we submit to you in this moment. And God, you know the flesh and, and how strong it is in us. And we pray, God, that you would continue to strengthen our spirit and help us to overcome and to see clearly. God, I know that there are so many of us, God, that are, are young and, and maybe, Lord, even young spiritually or young in actual age. And God, there's an immaturity there and they think they know what they want and they think they know the path. And I pray, God, that you would open their eyes. In Jesus' name, would you take off the blinders and allow them to see themselves as eternal beings and allow them to see the eternal impact that they can have with their lives, Father. They will surrender to you fully. God, lead us. God, we are weak. God, we are marred. Lord, there is nothing that we can do outside of you. May we see that. May you lead us. God, may you help us to take hold of our eternal life above all else. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Let's stand together. Our prayer team's getting ready to come here in just a moment. And as we dismiss, if, if you have a need in your life, maybe a surgery coming up, maybe somebody in your life is sick, maybe somebody in your life doesn't know the Lord, they would love to pray with you. There's power in agreement this morning. I wanna tell you, if you're in the room here or if you're watching online this morning and you have not surrendered your heart to Christ, and that part of you inside has said, you know what, I feel it. I, I feel this conscience, but I need, know I need to be reborn. I want to tell you right now in this moment, you can turn your heart to him and surrender to him. Accept him as the Lord of your life and ask him to come and wash you clean. God, I pray this blessing on your people as they prepare to go from this place. Lord, if there's someone that hasn't asked you into their heart, I pray right now, God, that you would hear their prayer, that you would wash them clean. And Lord, as we prepare to go from this place, give us peace that passes understanding, a peace that is so strong in us, God, that the people around us take notice and they come and they ask what's different about you. And our answer will be, I'm glad you asked. It's Jesus. Can I tell you about my Savior? I thank you, God, for this peace, and I pray this blessing on your people now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Peace be with you.